There's 162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Donaldson strike out again or seeing Judge hit 62 bombs. Bang! Bogart's leaving town, Kike making plays or Kenley closing the door. Debating with your friends, making dumb bets, or complaining about the umps again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Let's go, y'all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. Man, Fred, Gamby and Beal made a podcast. Hello and welcome back to season two of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast, a podcast produced by two best friends who despise each other's baseball teams, but love each other anyways. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in now to the show. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew Gambardell III. And it is football season, so Beal and I are both on the same page here. We're both Giants fans, sadly. Um, and welcoming to the podcast, yet again, my best friend, my co-host, my confidant, Mr. Matthew David Beal. Beal, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Gamby. Doing well. Now, if you couldn't tell, ladies and gentlemen, Beal is fighting through a massive sickness right now. Um, so... I just gotta say, Beal, uh, you're you're better than you're better than me because I don't think I'd be doing a podcast right now if I was sick like a dog like you. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm a dedicated man. You are. I'm very appreciative I'm of you. Today. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Anytime. All I'm right. here for the pod. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I'm sure our fans appreciate that. I love you, brother. Um, and I I am looking forward to what we have to discuss today. Today we're gonna jump into a little bit of the beginning of the NBA season, mainly Beal because I have no faith in my Bulls. And then we're going to jump to, we're going to jump to college football and finish up with some NFL talk centered around our New York football giants. But Beal, take it away. Tell me all about how your Nuggets are the best team in the league, um, reigning champs. And yeah. Yeah, the Nuggets are the best team in the league. Um, they're reigning champs. I don't know. I don't know if you mentioned that. <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> they've been really good. Hot yep. start, eight and one, mm-hmm. uh, coming off a win against the Warriors last night. Um, definitely down to the wire. I actually, um, during my, you know, sickened days, um, was only able to make it through two quarters of the game last night which was painful for me because it really came down to the last couple of possessions and watched the highlights this morning. And um, I don't know, just, just a great close down the stretch. Like it seeing um, Clay and Steph go up against Jokic and MPJ and Reggie Jackson and those guys who were just putting up buckets down the stretch was, was pretty cool. Um, so really back and forth game. Um, Jokic, it has been, absolutely incredible put up 35 against the Warriors but averaging almost 30 points a game this year with 13 rebounds and eight assists dude is just repeating 
his MVP prowess and shown that he is the best player in the world um, over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really yeah. happy with how the Nuggets are playing. Obviously, based on that, it's you know pretty cut and dry. Eight and one is nothing to to laugh at. It is painful that that one loss came um, since our last podcast, I believe, um, against the T Wolves because I absolutely hate the T Wolves. I really despise Rudy Gobert and Cat, so it just you know makes for a team that I really don't appreciate very much. Um, and not that Cat or Gobert had good games against Jokic, but overall the um, the T-Wolves did beat the Nuggets, and um, that is the one blemish on the record. So 8-1 um, could be 9-0 and if we had just you know put away a team that we should put away every single time we play them, but it is what it is. Okay. Uh, also, I, I do have sad news to report. Obviously, most people who uh, – our NBA fans or Nuggets fans uh, listening to this podcast might already know, but Jamal Murray has been sidelined for the rest of the month, which is very, very sad for me as a huge Jamal fan. I, I love the dude. And, um, it, honestly, just it, it's been a career that's kind of bittersweet and tough to watch because he's had these crazy big moments like in the bubble and in the playoffs last year. And then it feels like, Every year after that, um, he just he has this period of time where you know he's got to sit out for leg injury. It was the uh, ACL first, um, and then uh, it was the um, uh, right now he's out for a hamstring injury, and uh, reportedly it you know there's nothing like physically damaged, but uh, just reported some tightness in his hamstring and. I think honestly with the Nuggets playing so well and off to the hot start that they're on that they're not going to rush him back, especially early in the season. So um, they're giving him a, about a three week timeline. So hopefully he'll be back by, uh, by December and um, hopefully this will be a short lived stint on the uh, injury list, but it just sucks to see him go to the injury list at any point because of, what he's done for the franchise and um, how much he means to the fans and everybody watching. So uh, it, it really sucks. Um, and honestly was the worst news for me to see as Nuggets fan. Uh, Cause dude just lives for Nuggets basketball and he just lives for playing on the court. You can see the emotion that he has when he plays. So uh, you hate to see that. And, you know, as we always say in this podcast, injuries need to be turned off. Yeah, I, I wish injuries in, in all sports were kind of like video games where you could just turn them off anytime we do franchises, we turn them off. And I think that just makes the sport a lot better, a lot more competitive. But on the bright side, with an injury this early in the season, um, it's not like basketball at this point is, you know, very like these games are very important. Obviously, every game's important down the stretch for seeding and stuff like that. But no game's more important than than when you get towards crunch time, towards the end of the season, um, and towards playoff time. But now this gives the young Nuggets bench and guys like Christian Braun, Colin Gillespie, and rookie, I think, what, Julian Strother is who you drafted yes. in the second round? Yeah, it gives those young yeah. guards a lot of playing time and opportunity for when Jamal comes back to supplant themselves as a sixth man or seventh man and, and become an absolute staple of this rotation. So 
it could be good long-term for the Nuggets um, to give these guys an opportunity now that they wouldn't have had if Jamal Murray was out. So that that's my yeah. only bright side for you. Um, for my Chicago Bulls, I, I don't think I really need to say much. Um, I hope that they blow it up and they trade everybody because it is it's going nowhere. This big three of DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine, it's going nowhere. And obviously with Lonzo Ball being out for the year again this year, we're never going to see an opportunity for them all to be on the court again together when they were the one seed in the East for a long time before Lonzo's injury. That's sad, but that's never going to happen. So it's the front office has to make a move. Otherwise, this team is going to sit in mediocrity and sit around the seventh or eighth pick in the draft, which is doesn't get you a guy who's going to change your franchise, and they'll probably draft another bust, which is, is on par for the Bulls. But Nuggets are 8-1 with the best record in the league, so hats off to your Nuggets. And uh, in other basketball news, before we jump to college football – College basketball is back. Uh, it's the first week of college basketball. Uh, I'm a huge UConn Huskies fan. You know this. You're a huge UNC Tar Heels fan. Before we went to school, those were our teams, and we're still loyal to those teams. Um, I mean, Carolina blue is is probably the best color. I'll, I'll give you that. But the UConn Huskies, top six team in the country. Yes, they are the sixth best team in the country. That's why I said top six. But – they blew out Northern Arizona we, in game one of the season, and I think this team, from the looks of it, is, is definitely March Madness bound and could be Final Four bound again. Um, and I'm looking forward to a very, very good college basketball season, especially with the Lady Gamecocks being as loaded as, loaded as they are. Um, our, our alma mater is going to have a great women's basketball team our men's basketball team is not going to be very good but you know you don't know that i you're right i don't know know that i don't know that i hope differently if somehow this team this south carolina team ends up being good i will be very very pleased like yeah yeah yeah. obviously um but i am i'm expecting them to be around middle of the road in the SEC, slightly better than they were yet last year, but but not reaching the dance. Um, nice. Yeah, but yeah, let's move to college football. Keep it in college sports. College football top five. The biggest story over the past couple of weeks has been about a guy named Connor Stallions from the University of Michigan. For him being, he was he went to Michigan as an as an undergrad, I believe. Um, and it's just a huge Michigan fan. And somehow, somehow sent in his resume, like directly to the Michigan staff, got on the staff as like a scout and has been sitting on opposing team sidelines, stealing signs um, from the other team, like play calls and stuff and trying to get a read on those things before Michigan ends up playing those teams. So the week before he'd go to like a Michigan state game and scout them before Michigan and Michigan state played. I, to me, I, I don't really see, I mean, obviously like 
they're saying he crossed the line and he's like sitting on their side of the field and that's a problem. And he's not just scouting the players. He's like trying to steal actual like audible calls and, and signs from directly from the sideline by getting um, very good seats um, in those games. But I mean, they're scouting all over the place. And I'd, I'd be shocked if this story is coming out that a lot of other teams don't do this. And I know NFL teams scout, you know, games before and do all sorts of analytics on audibles and, and stuff like that. So they can get an edge. So to me, I don't, I don't know if there's electronics involved because I think that's when you cross a line, like with the Astros, with what they did, with zooming in on the catcher to steal signs and then banging the drum. That's cheating. When you're, when you're deliberately using technology in a way that no other team would, um, that's crossing the line. That, that I think is cheating. But from the stories that are coming out of this, they don't have a lot of proof. I don't think this is cheating. I, I think it's just bad press press for Michigan at this point. Yeah, and I, honestly, I I agree with you. I I feel like I I don't know. This line is so fuzzy. I, honestly, with scouting and cheating and and whatever, but um, I I think generally the kind of line in the sand that we draw is when it comes to technology and comes to you know using things during the game to figure out what the other team's doing and, I don't know, basically work your way into their playbook and um, advise your players based on that. I, I think, obviously, that is crossing the line. But when you're doing the scouting and the homework and research, that's kind of, like, all it is. And you almost don't have to be there to do that. Like, it's – you can get all that from the film. You could, you know, listen to the quarterback saying whatever, like, Orange 14 and knowing that that is an audible for a – a power run play or something like you can get all that information, whether you're there or not. And I think maybe the method of acquisition is questionable. And um, I don't really know all the details about it, but from the little I've heard, it kind of sounds to me like scouting. Um, and even, you know, it, it, I guess the, the question comes around like whether, scouting the playbook is allowed versus scouting the actual players and team and their plays on the field. But I mean, if you have the ability to hear the calls being, you know, made and the plays being run, I feel like that's just advantage to, you know, keep to yourself and your team and use potentially in the future. If they're not, you know, hiding those calls well enough that, you know, you can interpret them because that also means they're not hiding them well enough for the opposing sidelines to not be able to interpret them. So I feel like that's just part of how you relay those calls and, you know, how you orient yourselves on the sidelines. But I don't know, maybe there's something here that I'm missing. Um, I just, I feel like it's hard to call that cheating and scouting players not cheating because it's kind of just taking the information for what it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think at a certain point, like, I, I don't know. I, I think it sounds like punishments are coming for, for Harbaugh, but they don't have a lot of proof. I don't know. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors here. We don't know all the details. Um, but as they come out, I will be very interested. But on the field, this Michigan team has blown out everybody this year now they haven't played a top 25 team yet they've rolled to a 9-0 record they 
They have not played a single game that's, I think, within even two scores. I think they have blown out every single team this year, and it hasn't been close. I think their closest game was 31 to 6, if I am not mistaken, this year, or yeah, 31 to 6 against Bowling Green, or 31 to 7 against Rutgers is their closest game, 31 to 7. And they go this week at Penn State, number nine Penn State at noon this Saturday. That is a ginormous game. And obviously, with all of the speculation around Michigan, if they go in and they dominate Penn State with, with obviously they're not going to be doing anything that borderline crosses the line going into this week with scouting wise. If they go in and crush this team, I, I mean, I got to say this, this team, I, I would put my foot down and say that they really didn't do anything wrong. If they go into Penn State and they kick, kick the, you know, kick the shoes right off of Penn State. Yeah. Because if they do that, I, I think it just proves that they are that that good. And they're yeah. not, and they're not doing that, anything wrong. Yeah. And on top of that, Penn State is not going to use any of the same signals or calls that they've used in the past. Right. Knowing the history around you know Michigan. They're, they're not going to put themselves at risk for you know other teams being able to you know know what's being called and know what the next play is. So, um. I feel like, yeah, it's it's this is kind of a, a control baseline if you look at it for like for Michigan. If they do perform well, then I think by all means that's legit and has nothing to do with this investigation or what they may or may not be doing. Yeah, well, we'll wait to see, but it looks like Michigan. I mean, if they they keep rolling this weekend, they could very well become the. Um, the favorites to win a national championship. And I think it would be kind of funny with a scandal going on with them to, for them to win, win it all. I think it'd be the first time since like Florida did when urban Meyer was there in Florida and Aaron Hernandez was there and Tim Tebow was there and they had a lot of characters on that Florida team. Um, and the stories that came out afterwards, obviously um, for a team to win the national championship, this is the, if Michigan goes on to win, this will be one of the biggest stories maybe of all time that we remember for a long, long time. And there will definitely be a documentary to come out about it. Um, I, I can't wait for that E60 if this does happen. <laughs> but to our South Carolina Gamecocks, they're three and six. They hung on to beat Jackson State late at home last week. A seven and three Jackson Jackson. Jacksonville State team, um, who is was a very good team, and and like obviously they're second in their conference to Liberty, a ranked Liberty team. So I don't think, to me, I don't think um, I think this was a good win for South Carolina, and uh, I think they're going to destroy Vanderbilt this week at home, and then they get a night game at home against Kentucky, and probably another night game at home against Clemson to finish the season. I know we have to win out to make a bowl game deal, but is it possible? I absolutely think it's possible. Okay. Um, honestly, to me, Jacksonville State felt discouraging um, only because I felt like we should have won by more, but I didn't really realize they were 7-3. and three. That's 
pretty solid, even in a lesser conference. So, I, I mean, it makes me feel a little bit better. Um, unfortunately, I won't be at this weekend's game because still getting over some uh, stupid disease that has sidelined me for five days. And um, it, as my brother said the other day, I'm on the five-day DL. So, unfortunately, I will not be able to make it there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Vanderbilt should be a walk in the park. Kentucky is going to be a very hype game. Um, because I I mean, that game determines whether or not you're going to give meaning to a South Carolina versus Clemson game. And if it's going to mean anything at all, or if it's just going to be another game, uh, for us to get to five wins, not four wins on the year. Um, so I think Kentucky is honestly going to be like, um, I don't know, the culminating point of the season and kind of like the, I don't know, like X factor game. Like it's kind of winner you go home and then you get to play in this kind of playoff um, one chance win to still have a bowl game. So I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I definitely think that South Carolina can do it. Um, I think Kentucky's our toughest game left, and it's also guaranteed to be a night game. And uh, Darude will be performing before the game in Gamecock Park. So uh, I don't know. I, I think the crowd is going to be really, really intense that night, and I I don't see us losing. I, I mean, I, I don't see us getting blown out for sure. I, I think we're going to stay close, and uh, honestly, as an optimistic fan, I think we're going to win. Um, but I, I definitely don't see us squandering that effort by any means. I think um, we're going to be in the game, and as long as we're in the game, I think we have every chance and every opportunity to win that game, um, and we have the talent to win that game. So, uh, And then, honestly, if you win those two games, I, I think Clemson's a breeze. I, I think you have enough momentum and enough reason to win, and, and Clemson is in one of their worst seasons yet, and – um, has lost to some pretty mediocre teams and teams that South Carolina is more than capable of beating. So um, I don't know. I, I've I've got faith in South Carolina. I don't think we're going to lose to a team that lost to NC State. Okay. But this Clemson team did just beat Notre Dame. They did pull off. Yeah, the but they also Notre lost to NC State. Yes, they did. They did lose to <laughs> NC State, um, and they have had their worst year um, in a long time. And I hope this is the start of them having a very, you know, subpar program or very average program. That would be very nice for us. But, yeah, I I think it's possible for us to win any every game. Looking at Kentucky and, I mean, obviously, if we lose the Vanderbilt at home, Beamer is going to be on the hot seat. And I I love Beamer. I don't think he should lose his job. But you got to beat Vanderbilt at home. There's no doubt about that. Can't look past them. Kentucky and Clemson both have pretty damn good run games, and our run defense has been suspect at best. So um, that's what I'm worried about there. But our offense has proved to to be able to score on pretty much anybody. Um, So we're going to be in the game because of Spencer Rattler, and I I hope – we're able to close out the season at home four straight weeks with four straight wins and somehow make a bowl game and save this season. Now that, that would be something down the stretch, but if we go, if we go one and two and that one win against is if we lose to Vanderbilt and win against Clemson, I I think all would, all would be forgiven. But if, 
realistically, we go two and one, we lose to Kentucky and we beat Clemson. I'd still take five and seven with beating Clemson. I don't know about you, but I would take that. Yeah, I mean, if we beat Clemson, I, I think that carries a lot of weight and it would suck to not play a bowl game, but yeah, I would I would always love to beat Clemson. Agreed. Uh, I mean, at this point, either you beat Clemson or you don't make a bowl, but I, honestly, if we were talking any normal season, I, I would probably pick beating Clemson over making a bowl in a lot of cases, so. Yeah, um, I agree with we you. We don't there. have that option this season, but, uh, you know. Same rule applies. Beat Clemson, first priority, and then bowl game. Agreed. Agreed. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah, but that does it for our college football talk. I mean, other than Michigan, obviously, you got to talk about number one team in the country, Georgia, back-to-back national champion, looking to be three-time national champion. Uh, they don't look like will be three-time national. Oh team. wow, wow! I don't think they're going to win it all this year, but I think that's I think that's a, obviously a solid take with them being back to back. But this team without Stetson, they're dirty. They're they're not as as they were the past couple of years, but they were so good the last couple of years that they don't need to be that good probably to win the national championship. Uh, right. But I I think. I honestly think Michigan's going to win it all after this controversy. Wow, wow. I, I really do. And I love the way they're – That would be a great 30 for 30. Yeah, I. that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Would it be 30 for 30 or an E60? I don't know. I, I think – One of the two. I think you got to yeah. give it a full hour at this point. But yeah, yeah. that's that's neither here nor there. hasn't happened yet. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm the college football season has a lot of great storylines. Washington Huskies are still – um, so Pac-12 is looking pretty dang good this year in their last season. So a lot of good stories, um, a lot of things to watch. But moving to the NFL with the professionals, um, they're our New York football giants. They are they are garbage. They are bottom of the barrel, and it may it didn't help that uh, we lost our starting quarterback for the year this year. Um, Basically, I mean, he's played three games. Then he got a bad neck injury. Then he came back this week and tore his ACL on, I think it was like the second drive of the game against the Raiders, and we get blown out. This team is bad. There are bright sides. Please find the bright sides for me uh, because this season has been one for one to just erase from our record book. So. I will say I feel very badly for Daniel Jones. I hate to see any kind of injury. And I think if we had him that we would be a 500 football team. Um, But have I ever been sold on him as the quarterback of the New York Giants? You have never, no. (laughs) And I think a bright side is in our young New Jersey-born quarterback, Tommy DeVito. No. From Don Bosco Prep. He is a guy who has taken the starting quarterback role in stride. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't throw the ball a lot, but he hands off the ball to Saquon a lot, and, and we like that. Um, we also like the fact that um, he's from New Jersey. Uh, he's, I think he's a Giants fan. Uh, maybe I just assume that, but let's say he is a Giants fan. 
I think he can be a fan favorite if he just becomes a little bit better. Um, And I I think, honestly, uh, if you look at the last two games, he's already gotten better. He he threw the ball about three times in his first game uh, in a half of football. And then in three quarters of football last week, he went 12 for 16. Um, And he's got one rushing touchdown, I think a passing touchdown now. Um, He hasn't fumbled the ball, which – is a plus we we used to have a quarterback who fumbled the ball a lot um (laughs) and (laughs) and so i i think there's a bright spot here i i honestly if we're being completely honest and we're not making jokes about it i think tommy devito could be a change in you know a change in sight i guess for the giants team uh kind of like you know just get some I don't know, new eyes on the team and the offense and kind of how everything works. And um, I, I think I think this could be a good thing, um, whether he ends up being the quarterback or not. Um, it's probably not going to happen, but um, I, I think I, I think the Giants are going to have to reimagine their offense a little bit. And I, I think that'll work. I, I mean, I honestly, we're at a point now where our offense doesn't have a lot of very bright spot so you got to make it work and um kind of going into this stretch of football games and second half of the year with the team that you kind of just have to make it work I, I think it's it's gonna um improve our our focus who are there on the offense and um maybe lead into uh some i guess uh, ability to identify some bright spots for the future um I hope Tom, Tommy DeVito is one of those guys. I, I don't know that he's going to be. I haven't seen the talent personally, but you never know. When a guy comes in like this and is given the realms of the team, uh, crazier things have happened. Brock Purdy led the 49ers to the championship like a couple years ago, or you know, close to the championship a couple years ago. Um, and he was on nobody's radar. So I, I don't know. I, I think – there's nothing wrong that can happen here if you're assuming that the Giants are going to win maybe two or three games this year. And I think everything else is kind of all all goodness. Um, you've still got Saquon. You've still got Wandale Robinson. You've still got um, Darren Waller on the offense. You've got a slew of offensive linemen who may only work together in one formation and, and that might only work one week and then collapse the next week. Um, but it, you just keep jumbling those guys and trying to make something work. And I don't know. I, I just hope that uh, this team is going to find something out about this unit and it'll go into next year and how we build this team. And um, I honestly, I just I don't want to go through another coaching change. So right. I, I want I want this this is a long way of saying I just I just want some goodness to come out of this and I think <laughs> with a clean slate and new quarterback it can't all be bad. I love your optimism. What do you think the Giants will finish this year? They're two and seven now, eight games left. Three and fourteen. Okay. So you <laughs> have I I love all the optimism you presented. Tommy DeVito, great story, undrafted free agent, local kid, went to Syracuse and then Illinois and then gets into the league undrafted. Great story. 
But you threw in a Brock Purdy name in comparison with this guy. They yeah. that should not be in the same conversation whatsoever. No, no, it's it's fair. It's fair comparison. No, my don't me. Brock, Brock Purdy came out of nowhere. Okay, all right. He was on nobody's radar, was he? No, he wasn't. Right, he was Mister Irrelevant. Now he is very much relevant. And right, Tommy right. DeVito, I think. Why can't Tommy DeVito be Mister Irrelevant and now relevant? Tommy DeVito was actually worse than Mr. Irrelevant. Because he was undrafted. He wasn't even drafted. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't understand. All right. We'll give Tommy DeVito in his first start against the Cowboys. We'll see. But when his first <laughs> game action against was against the Jets, and he went two for seven for negative one yards in a game. That wasn't lost, his fault. Lost us the game. Two for seven for negative one yards. That wasn't his fault. They uh, made him throw screens all day. I. They didn't let him throw further than five right. yards. They let him throw the ball this past week against the Raiders. He went 15 for 20, one touchdown. Uh, I thought he was 12 for 16. Maybe it's because I stopped watching, but yeah. I think that sounds right. He finished 15 for 20. That's pretty good. One touchdown and two picks. That's pretty good. Against a bad Raiders defense. So I. Uh, uh, excuse me. Their head coach is Antonio Pierce. Right. They can't be a bad defense true, with true. Love one of the greatest Pierce. Giants linebackers right. of all time. You're right. All right. I digress. Tommy DeVito, great. It's a great young yes. story. That's that's yeah. good news for us. Breakout stud. The Giants at the trade deadline traded away Leonard Williams for a second rounder, a future second rounder upcoming in this draft from Seattle and a fifth rounder in the year after draft. I think that's Thank a great you. deal. We weren't going to re-sign Leonard Williams with how much money we gave to Dexter Lawrence. And I think that's a great trade for us, especially with how bad of a team this is to get a future second round pick for a guy that we weren't going to keep is Leonard Williams will be missed. He was a great giant for four years. I loved what he did consummate pro for us in the trenches. um, And he will definitely be missed. Uh, But the giants did what they had to do. That's a positive. Losing Daniel Jones for the season. The only positive from this is that our team gets so much worse that we definitely have a chance to lose out and get the number one pick and get Caleb Williams on this football team. Because you're right. Daniel Jones can't stay healthy. I, I mean, it's it's hard to say that, especially after, you know, he just gets a season-ending injury. Nobody wants to see that. He had one good year out of his five years in the league, and we decided to pay him a boatload of money. That is a Joe Shuin mistake. Huge mistake. I don't think Dable wanted that done. I don't think he wanted to commit to Daniel Jones as his quarterback for the long term. I like our coaching staff. I even like our GM. I think he's made a couple, you know – Evan Neal doesn't look like he's going to be good at all. Looks like he's going to be a bust, but Thibodeau looks great. And, you know, sometimes you hit on picks, sometimes you don't. And Wandale Robinson looks great as well. So I I think there are some bright spots on this team. We have one of the youngest rosters in the league. Um, So there's a lot of opportunity for these young guys to grow over the course of the season. Um, As long as Dayball can keep the locker room from, from falling apart, um, and believing that they're taking steps towards next season already um, in growth, I think I think De- sexy Dexy, I think I think Saquon on offense, 
as we, we need to keep him around long-term just leadership wise, those, those being probably our two biggest leaders in the locker room right now. I think those guys setting the example is going to be huge down the stretch for us. And I think it could be good getting ready for next season. And the tank is on the tank. Yeah, is on. The tank is on. That is, that and, is our one takeaway from this, I guess. Bright yeah. Spot. And I can't wait until we have a two quarterback set in, uh, Caleb Williams and Tommy DeVito. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> the option with Tommy Nobody's DeVito. Nobody's ever done it. No, People need to do a two-quarterback set. That would be so dirty. Just every single play, run your quarterback like you're maybe more mobile quarterback as a screen, and then you just have them as an option to double pass. Yeah. Beal, you should become a high school football coach and try that. Dude, the two quarterback set would be incredible. It'd be hard to defend, but after a while, it get it probably get really repetitive. So. It's like it's like fantasy football when you have two starting quarterbacks. Same thing. It's dirty. <laughs> you get more points that way. Yeah, you get more points, but so be so does everybody else in the league. So if everybody yeah. starts copying you, then you're not exactly gonna do all that great. But anyways, I digress. The Giants. Will be bad, should be really bad. They're going to get trounced by the Cowboys this week. And usually that would make me really upset, but this week it's just inevitable. So that's okay. The tank is on. Caleb Williams, Drake May, someone save this franchise. Please, we need a franchise quarterback badly. And, you know, I was never a huge Eli guy, but I came to the realization at work today when I was – talking to one of my work buddies, it came out. I was like, I miss Eli. Like I started staring into space. I was like, I cannot believe that I miss Eli Manning. Dude, but I, I miss Eli. I told you. He brought us stability. He never got hurt. We he always was the greatest quarterback of all we time. We always had a chance to win the game. Yeah, he had a lot of turnovers in the regular season, but playoffs came on. He took care of the football, played with ice in his veins. The guy never felt the pressure. Eli was awesome. We don't- he never turned over the ball like stupidly, though. He would turn the ball he over when led- he was down by like 30. He led the league in interceptions three separate times. That's- yes, because he would not give up. I bet you like 75% of those were in the fourth quarter. Okay, I'd take the under on 75%, but maybe 50. A lot of you're- them were in the fourth <laughs> okay. quarter. I just I, I don't know. I I love Eli as you know. Yeah. And I will defend him. And I think I know based on watching him that a lot of those interceptions had to do with his heart for the game and just not wanting to give up, even though uh, a lot of other quarterbacks would have given up or just thrown short passes for the rest of the game to not kill their stats. You're probably talking out of your ass right now, but I hope you're right. That would be I hope you look that up and you're right after this. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I do love Eli. But let's go to the rest of the league and talk about some of the good teams in this league. The Ravens just won 37-3 to against the Seahawks team that is going to be in the playoffs. And the Ravens destroyed the Lions a couple weeks prior. The Ravens look really good. The Niners went up, went were 5-0, and then lost three straight going into their bye. I don't think they're going anywhere. The Eagles, again, are incredible. They look like the runaway favorites in the NFC, sitting at 8-1. and And then you have the Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl champs. Patty Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, 
probably going to be the MVP this year. They're sitting at number one seed in in the AFC at seven and two. Beal, if you had to pick, this is the halfway point in the season already. I can't believe it's going this fast, but it's the halfway seat, halfway point in this in this 2023-2024 NFL season. Who do you think is going to make the Super Bowl, and who do you have as your Super Bowl winner? So I think, like most people, uh, believe that the 49ers will come out of the NFC. Um, I'm trying to think of who I want in the AFC. I, I mean, I, I think – the Chiefs are probably favorited in the AFC, but I'm not going to go with the favorite over there because I probably went with the favorite in uh, the NFC. Um, well, the Eagles are the favorite. I mean, they just went to the Super Bowl and they're eight and one. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I forgot they're eight and one. Yeah, they're dirty. Um, <coughs> uh, oh. I think I want to go with the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. I think two. Wow. Okay. I think two is going to come out of the AFC. So you think and the I Dolphins think- are for real? Let, yeah. let me let me list off their season because the Dolphins are absolute frauds, and you're completely wrong no. with this statement. The Dolphins this year beat the Chargers by two. Went on to beat the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, the Panthers. And the Patriots again. They're sick. Yeah. They're they've beaten five teams. The Patriots twice. The Panthers, the Giants, the Dolphins. I mean, they are the Dolphins. The Panthers, the Giants, the Broncos, and the Chargers are the other four. Yeah, those, they're nasty. Those are very bad football teams. They're lost. No nasty. Their losses, teams. Eagles, Bills, killed by both those teams, um, destroyed, some may say. And then they just lost a, a tight game to the Chiefs over in Germany. They do not have a good win yet on their season, and I would not be surprised if this – But they don't have a bad loss. Okay. Yeah. Right? Great, great spin zone. Great spin zone. They do not yeah, have a bad right. loss. You're right. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Phil. That's not bad. All right. So you have Dolphins, Niners. Who do you have winning that game? You have Mike McDaniel against Kyle Shanahan. You have, obviously – Mike McDaniel being a coordinator, offensive coordinator under Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, it's like father and son kind of kind of thing going at each other. But obviously they're two similar age dudes. So it's pupil versus teacher almost. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you have winning that that game? I got the Niners. Kyle Shanahan. Getting over the hump. Kyle Shanahan does it in the big moment finally. Um, I like that prediction. I don't think that's going to happen. I would love to see that game. I think the Dolphins are electric. I think the Niners are electric. I think that would probably be one of the most star-studded games because, you know, there's guys that you just recognize, like Jalen Ramsey on the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua. Like, you just – there's so many names in the Niners. You got Bosa. You got Kittle. You got Debo. You got Brock Purdy. You know, that's a name that's traveled. Christian McCaffrey. You got all those names. And a bunch of guys, you know, but to me, the NFL is one in the trenches. 
and the two teams with the best trenches this year, the Chiefs are scary good on defense this year. And I don't, I don't think their offense has done is in full stride yet, which is crazy because they have Patrick Mahomes and their, their defense is probably the best part of the team, which is wicked scary, but they just want it all. I don't think it's very, very hard to repeat. I don't think they're going to do it for that reason. And that reason alone, I'm not picking the Chiefs. Oh, also Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. If you haven't heard. So there's way too much, you know, media around them. The Baltimore Ravens are incredible. I'm taking the Ravens from the AFC and I am taking, cause that, that defense led by Roquan Smith in the middle is incredible at, at all three phases at all three uh, dimensions, D line linebacking core and DBs. They're incredible across the board. And I same could be said for the Eagles. The Eagles have the best D line O line combo in the league. They are the runaway favorites in the NFC for a reason. They went to the Super Bowl for a reason last year and they have Kelsey's brother on the team. So I think the NFL can still run the Taylor Swift story if they get to the Super Bowl based on Jason Kelsey, just off of the Kelsey name. They can throw in Taylor Swift. And for that reason, I think it's going to be an all-bird Super Bowl with the Ravens versus the Eagles. And I hate to say it, Beal, but it, it just feels, it feels like the Eagles are going to do it. It just feels like it. And I hope I'm wrong, but they are so healthy. It's, they are like, it's incredible how many like non-major injuries the, the Eagles have to no, no really, the, obviously there's injuries on the team, but no major players and impact players on the Eagles are hurt long-term right now. And health, health is a huge thing in this league. So I'm taking the Eagles to get over the hump and beat the Ravens this year. As much as I hate to say that because I despise the Philadelphia Eagles, but I, I despise them less now than I did way back because Jason Kelsey is lovable. Jalen Hurts being benched in college and then coming out as a franchise quarterback in the NFL, that's a lovable story. And then they have an Italian head coach. I mean, they, it's just like they should all be on the Giants, like, please. But uh, that's my prediction. I hope it's wrong because – Philadelphia fans don't – I don't think they really deserve to win ever um, with how they treat other fans. Um, That's probably true, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and uh, – but I don't know. They've Philadelphia's had a lot of heartbreak, I guess, with their teams going so deep. The Phillies losing this game seven at home um, to the Diamondbacks, um, which is oh, – Still a little bit comical to me how they lost two games straight at home when their fans said that they had the best home field advantage in, in all of the MLB. I, I just think that was – I think that that was just – yeah, that's just sports comedy gold right there. But anyways, I got Eagles versus Ravens with the Eagles winning, and you have Dolphins, Niners with the Niners winning. We both have NFC, NFC teams winning. I guess we're a little bit biased to our NFC um, – NFC sided Giants, um, but that does it for us today. Um, thank you. For- wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. I got one more comment to make. Yep. Most of Eli's intercepts- interceptions were in the fourth quarter, with respect to any individual quarter. <laughs> okay. 
But they were not above. They were nowhere near 75% of his interceptions. Yeah, that was way off. Um, it was about 32%. Okay, yeah, okay. But a third, I mean, you completely embellished the hell out of that, out of that right, stat. Right. But 33% of your – one-third of your interceptions being in the fourth quarter. There are four quarters. So, I mean, he did take a lot of chances in the fourth. You're right. He put a lot of heart and soul into trying to win the game and press oh, the yeah. action in the fourth quarter, which definitely led him from what it seems – to throw more interceptions when more people would just choose to do dump offs and, and try to get back in the game that way. Um, or really just not try to get in back in the game at all. And Eli didn't do that. Eli didn't back down. He, That's right. He kept throwing interceptions. Yep. Yep. Even he more did. interceptions. Um, yes. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. Um, that is an, that is a great stat. Um, but I do miss Eli. Um, and I miss you, Bill. You know, I, I, I miss you too. Yeah, I, I hope we get together soon. Um, but for those of you tuned in and, and stayed with us, we love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting. Uh, reach out to us if you want to interact with us at any times on our, on our Instagram or on the podcast um, on Spotify. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, enjoy your lunners, your brunches, your sunrises, and your sunsets. Sunsetting very, very early nowadays with daylight savings taking into effect. I'm not loving that. But anyways, Bill, as always, take us out. Go Tommy DeVito, baby. <laughs>